0: back to Helping Teachers Thrive, modelling expectations to our students. Why is this so important and how can this actually help us, benefit us in the classroom with our students and also around school. So in today's episode I'm going to be talking about modelling our expectations, what we should be doing as educators, as teachers, as school staff, to model the behaviour that we expect from our students, to model what we expect from our students in terms of manners as well, and high expectations in our classroom and around the school. Demonstrating the desired behaviour is really important. So for example, whenever I go into an office or um, into reception, a classroom, I will knock on the door beforehand. Even if I see a member of staff having a chat in there with another member of staff, I won't just open the door and walk in, I'll knock on the door and I'll wait until they invite me in. Now, a number of times over the years when I've done this, the member of staff have always said to me, you don't need to knock, just walk straight in. But I can't do that. I always knock on the door because I'm modeling the behavior that I expect from my students. Even when my students aren't around, I will still knock on the door and wait to be asked to come in before I go in or even if the door's wide open I'll wait outside silently in view of the person so that they can see I'm waiting and I'll wait until they invite me into their room rather than just walk straight in because if I'm practicing if I'm doing this myself if I'm practicing this myself with the students around or not it's something that I'm going to keep doing and maintaining so when the students are around me I'll just be doing it naturally and we'll have to think about it. I won't just walk into a room when students are walking around the corridor or are with me. I'll knock and I'll wait to be asked in. It's just polite and courteous and we want to teach our students these things as well. Saying good morning and good afternoon when we're doing the register in the morning. Say good morning, Chris. Good morning, sir. Good morning, so-and-so. So you say good morning first before you say their name and then you expect them to model that back and say good morning, miss. Good morning, sir. Back to you. It's the same in the afternoon, saying good afternoon and then expecting them to model that back to you. Okay, something that we have to train our students to do, but something that's really important because we're helping them develop these manners that they're gonna need when they go off into the big world later on in life, when they when they take on their own careers or start working, go to university, or whatever they wanna do, even around family and friends where they're being polite and courteous. I also always say please and thank you to my students. I know that there's this, um, thing years ago when I was starting teaching when someone said to me don't say please to your students because you're offering them the option to not do it just say Sarah collect the books up thank you in that way rather than saying oh Sarah can you please cut the books up thank you so much but I'd rather say please and than thank you because I've had students in the past go please miss you got to say please I know that's only a bit of banter and they're only joking with me but it's all about being polite so I will say please and I'll say my thank yous to my students I will also smile, smile and welcome them in. So if you're greeting at the door, which we should be doing each lesson, smile and welcome your students in. Say good morning, say good afternoon, ask them how they're doing as they're coming down the corridor. But make sure you smile because it helps to sort of lower those barriers. It helps them feel comfortable and safe and it helps them feel like they're going into a safe learning environment where they feel welcomed and valued as well. So it's really important to do that too. Now, I'm also, Well, I was also known (laughs) for saying sir and miss all the time. Didn't matter who the person was. Didn't matter if they were a member of staff, reception staff, anybody in the school. If I came across them, I'd say, good morning, sir, good morning, miss. I'd never use their first name in front of students. Now, because this is something that we want our students to not be doing, not be picking up on these things where we're just calling each other's name in front of students. We We should be polite and courteous and respectful to other members of staff and refer to them as miss or Mrs in front of the students or sir and miss and that's something that I've always done in the past. Now in my old school, I never, not once, called my head teacher by their first name. Not even to their face when it was just me and him. I just say sir because it's just something that I've just that I've always done. I just didn't feel comfortable calling them by their first name. And um, because I didn't know him on that level. He wasn't a friend of mine beforehand before he became head teacher. He was a head teacher that came into our school and took over, so I just didn't feel comfortable calling him by his first name, so I called him Sir. But around our students we should always be saying Sir or Miss, because that's what we expect from our students, or Mr or Mrs so-and-so, so So we're modelling that behaviour to them throughout the day, in the corridors, in the classrooms, wherever we are around school, so continuously modelling what we expect of them now it's also really really important to be organized and prepared of course it is we know this as teachers and things happen where sometimes we're not organized and it goes out the window but we need to try and be as organized as possible throughout the day making sure that our resources are organized before the lesson so that we're demonstrating these skills skills to our students so that they can then pick these up and they can organize themselves better as well for their school day now being organized and prepared It's also to do with being on time. Now, there are a number of different scenarios and situations where you may not be on time to your lesson. So, for example, when I've gone from a core P lesson to a theory class-based lesson, classroom-based lesson, there are times when I've got there slightly later because I've been dealing with an injury, for example, or I'm waiting for my students to all get changed so I can dismiss them all and make sure my change room's cleared before I can then head to my lesson. Now, of course, there are times when I've been able to ask my colleagues, can you please come up my changing room while I head up to um, teach my year 12 class? But at times I have got there late, of course I have. But when I do get there late, I apologise to my students. I make them aware that I am sorry that I was late for this reason, um, and I'll try and make sure that doesn't happen again. Just make sure that you own that mistake, okay? We all, of course, we're all late, it's tough from time to time, but if we get into the habit of doing that, then our students will also do the same. So if they come to your lesson late, then we're expecting them to say, oh, sorry, sir, sorry, miss, I got held up for whatever reason. So be prepared, be on time to your lessons, but for whatever reason, you may not be apologize and own that and let your students know. But if you have a lesson, for example, first lesson of the day, first lesson after break, after lunch, what I do is I try to aim to get there at least five minutes before. So I can crack open my computer, get it all logged in, everything sorted, everything on desk, date on the board, because I want to have everything ready before my students walk through my door. And I want to be there at the door, greeting them, checking their uniform, letting them in as, their uni- as they look up, as they sort their uniform out, tuck their shirts in, do the top buttons up, ties, for example, take off their coats. All these different things I'm checking for before they enter the room. Now, it's also important that we dress professionally and we dress smart. So if we're expecting our students to tuck their shirts in, then we should be doing the same if we're wearing suits, for example, or school or shirts to work, depending on what subject you teach, or having our ties on up or having our blazers on. It's something that we should be modeling to our students, taking our coats off. So I used to always take my coat off just before I entered the building because I'm modeling that to my students. And to be honest, I could understand the difficulties when you're walking through school, you've got your coat to carry, you've got your bag to carry. It can be really awkward coming in, trying to take your coat off when all these students are piling in. So I get that, I understand that from the students, but as much as possible, I'm trying to model to them what I expect. So even if I have to enter the building first because it's chucking it down with rain, I'll enter the building, then take my coat off. So they there seeing that. But I'll always make sure that I ask my students to move their coat before they come into my classroom. And I instil that from the beginning, so that it becomes second nature. They'll just come to the door, they'll put their bag on the floor, they'll take their coat off, and then they'll enter the classroom. Now, of course, there are times when it's really, really cold, and I've had my windows wide open, for example, um, and there are times when I've allowed them to come in and acclimatize themselves. They go, miss, I'm really cold. And I'll say, that's fine, I'll give you a few minutes, when it's whatever time, then we'll take our coats off. So, of course, that's about being human as well. Um, But as much as possible, I model that behaviour to them. I'll take my coat off, take my scarf off before I enter the building so that I'm demonstrating what I expect of my students as well. It's also really important to remain focused in lessons, not sitting at your computer looking at emails or sending emails while your students are completing independent work. So yes, there are times when I'd be sitting at my computer while my students are completing independent work, but I use that time to go through their work, looking at what they're doing, reading their work, for example, marking sections of their work, because they'll say, oh, Miss, can you mark this bit? Miss, can you check this bit? So yes, of course, we will be sitting at our desks, but try not to be sending out emails and doing your own thing or planning your next lesson while your students are working hard, because again, you're not demonstrating, you're not modeling the behavior you expect of them. You're not focusing on the lesson yourself. And it'll be these times when your students will be looking at things on YouTube, for example, or um, if you're allowed headsets or earphones in your lessons where students can refer to videos, for example, in terms of the content for the lessons. So I recorded videos for my students. So they could refer to those in their lessons. So I, I recorded the lesson. So when it came to completing assignments, they could listen to previous lessons to get support and extra help rather than asking me and getting me to go over there and explain things to them. So I always got to get them to listen to certain lessons to try and find the answer before they come and ask me. So in that sense, if I'm sitting at my computer, tapping away, sending my emails and, and not focusing on my lesson, they could be doing the same. They could be watching YouTube clips and listening to music for all I know. Um, so it's really important to stay focused. And by being, if, you, if your students complete work on Chrome, like I like my students did, by going onto their work and showing, that they see that you're on their work, marking their work it shows them that you care it shows them that you're focusing in lessons and you want them to do really really well and as a result they're going to be more motivated and more engaged to do so themselves it's really important to show enthusiasm and passion show passion and enthusiasm for your subject because again this motivates your students it keeps them engaged in the lesson and keeps them motivated to learn and it keeps them makes them excited about being in your lesson. It makes them excited about learning. So show that passion. I love it when my students achieve things in lessons. So for example, um, in a practical PE lesson, I will shout across the sports hall, across the tennis courts, I don't care, to praise that student and make them aware of how brilliant that skill or that what they did in that moment was so that they know. Of course, there are students that I can't do that with um, as a result because of their anxiety, for example, they don't want public praise. Um, But I love that enthusiasm. I love to sort of um, excite my students and make them like really, really passionate themselves about learning. And that is something that I demonstrate that I do so that my students can see that and hopefully be motivated and engaged therefore to learn in my lessons. Hold yourself accountable. So a bit like I said earlier about if you're late to your lesson, apologize to your students, own that mistake but hold yourself accountable in lessons if you've made a mistake. So for example, whether you're dealing with a student's behavior and you've set consequences for the wrong student or you got it wrong, own that. Apologize to them um, to show that you are human, you make mistakes, but you're demonstrating to them what you expect as well. If they make a mistake, they're gonna own that mistake and not try to cover it up, for example. I mean, we're teachers, we're human, we're not superheroes, we'll make mistakes at some point. We'll even make mistakes when it comes to teaching content I've done that before. I've taught something in my lesson, walked away and gone, nope, that was completely wrong. I had to go back the next lesson, apologize to my students and say, look guys, I'm really sorry. I did this incorrectly. I'm just gonna go over it again, iron out those misconceptions, but hold my hands up, I'm really sorry. But they like that. Your students like to know that you're human. They like to know that you own your mistakes and you will you hold yourself accountable. And that's something that hopefully they will then learn to do in the future themselves because they're seeing you demonstrate that and doing that yourself in your lessons. Like I said about praising my students, provide that positive reinforcement to your students. Recognise and celebrate when they're exceeding your expectations, okay? Show your students how proud you are of them, whether it's a phone call home, email to a parent, because they'll come in, they'll come in the next lesson and go, Miss, thank you, sir, thank you so much. My mum told me that you spoke to her, my dad told me that you spoke to him. Okay, so praise your students and celebrate them. Use that positive reinforcement to help motivate them and engage them. Again, you're demonstrating, you're modelling what you expect of them. You want your students to praise each other and support each other. So, for example, in my current school, in my SEN setting, I have a star chart on the board. And if my students give me really good, deep, like really good answers in lessons, full sentence answers, for example, or They just stand up and they collect the books without even being asked. I've had times when I've left books out by accident from a lesson before and I've had students just stand up and collect them for me and put them in a tray. I praise them publicly, I give them a star on the star chart, everyone says, "Oh, well done and claps for them congratulates them because I'm trying to encourage my students to be proud of each other and by demonstrating that and doing that yourself, they pick up on that and they'll be praising each other and saying, oh, well done, well, that was really good." And that's something that that will really help in terms of creating that positive learning environment where students all feel valued and safe and motivated to learn. Believe in every single one of your students. It's really important to demonstrate belief in your students' potential. And don't make assumptions based on what they're capable of, their background, past performances, for example, Don't make assumptions, believe in every single one of your students, believe in their potential and make them aware of that. Let them use your belief in them because of course, we have students that have low self-esteem. They have low belief in themselves, but tell them regularly that they can do this. If they say, I can't say no, yes, you can, you can do this and give them examples of how well they've done in certain situations, similar situations in the past, similar pieces of work, for example, And if they haven't done well, and they say that to you, then just say, we will work on that together. I will support you, but I know you can do it. Because if you instill your belief within them, they're more likely to really be motivated. They're more likely to achieve things. um, I spoke to a lady in a previous interview I had, and she was talking about um, research that was carried out where there was a group of students who were really, really low, low ability students. And these students were given an IQ test to complete. And the teachers were told that these students' IQs were off the scale, they were really, really good, but you cannot tell the students this. You can only, they only told the teachers, and the teachers were unable to tell the students that, that they're really good, IQ, really good IQ scores. They weren't. But, The teachers were made to believe that because that then changed how they dealt, how they taught the students, how they acted around the students. They had really high expectations of students. They did everything. They pushed the students to work really, really hard and they encouraged and celebrated the students' success. And as a result, the students did better in lessons. The students were more motivated. They were more engaged. I can't remember the actual research around this, but by having those high expectations of students, by showing, by demonstrating that and believing in them, that actually instills belief with themselves, within themselves increases their self-esteem and encourages them to be more motivated and to work harder and be more engaged in lessons. So let your students borrow your belief in them so that they're more likely to be motivated to work hard in lessons and encouraged to enjoy learning and love learning and progress in your lessons. So instill that within your students, let them borrow your belief in them. Now, thank you so much for tuning in, we say. Please don't forget to hit follow and share this episode with your other educators and staff within your school so that we can create all these really positive cultures within schools where where students and teachers feel safe and supported and valued. But by modeling our expectations to our students, Over a period of time, they're more likely to demonstrate this themselves, and this will help with classroom management. It will help with dealing with, it will help with um, reducing the disruptions, behavior disruptions in lessons, and it will help with the progress of your your students. It'll help with their learning because they're more likely to be motivated, encouraged, and therefore have better outcomes. So remember, until next time, keep on thriving and keep on changing young lives.